We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. What's up, guys? My name is Mouton. I get to be the lead pastor of Relevant Church, and I'm so glad that you decided to tune in to one of our message replays. I believe that God has a word for you. Hey, listen, if you want to continue to support Relevant Church to be able to produce content that teaches the gospel and leads people to hope, go ahead and give a gift of any amount to giving.thisisrelevant.cc. You can sign up for recurring giving or give a one-time gift, but I want to let you know, every gift matters and allows us to take the gospel beyond our community, region, and world. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you are blessed by this message. What's up, family? Thank you so much for joining us for this Sunday online broadcast. I'm so glad that you decided to be here. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here. My name is Mutan. I get to serve as a lead pastor here at Relevant Church. And at Relevant, there's one thing that we want to do, and we want to do it well. We want to lead everybody around us to discover that Jesus is relevant. And because Jesus is relevant, we want to help you learn to passionately follow Jesus, love across boundaries, and then go out and make a tangible difference in your community, region, and world. And let me tell you, if that excites you, we want you to be a part of that. So no matter where you're watching from, you can be a part of Relevant Church by joining our online campus. Come on, shout out for the online campus. Just send the word connect to the number below. And also, if you are on Facebook, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. It's Relevant Refam, R-E-F-A-N. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, Follow us or like us on, subscribe to us on YouTube so you can stay connected to what's happening at Relevant Church. I need to get these words out. Listen, I'm so ready to jump into this week's message because I've literally lived this over and over this last week. Let me pray. God, thank you for this time that we get together. Speak to us like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. See, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the detours that will get in the way of our journey to our purpose. Last week, we looked at how distractions show up. Sometimes they're unexpected, but sometimes we go out looking for those distractions. Hello, somebody. This week, we will talk about one of the most sinister tools that the enemy uses to keep us detoured from our destiny, the detour of discouragement. Listen, can we be honest for a second? Sometimes it feels good to be angry. Have you ever been upset and somebody, whether it was a sibling growing up or parents or friends in school or a significant other keeps poking at you to try to make you smile? And while they're doing that, you are just getting angrier and angrier because the reality is you wanted to stay mad. Hello, I know I'm not the only one. Why do we do that? I believe it's because anger makes us feel like we're in control. But is it ever okay to be angry? The short answer is yes. It's okay to be angry. Anger is a real emotion. And as humans, we are emotional beings. Even the Bible says it's okay to be angry as long as we don't sin. Ephesians 4, 26-27 said this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Why? Because it's natural to get angry, but what we do with that anger is what matters the most. 
we've been exploring the narrative about a guy named Samson. Uh, here's a quick roundup if you're unfamiliar with the story. Samson is a child, he's a miracle child to his childless parents. Not only is he a miracle child, but he's given a promising future to become the nation's next leader. Samson had the keys to the kingdom, but he easily got distracted. We catch up with Samson in the same distracted state and being drawn into a deeper cycle that is coming against the very purpose of his existence. Yet, even in the midst of his neglect of his calling, God is still using him to fulfill his purposes because God's purpose is sure regardless of our interference. Last week, we learned an important fact that God can and still will use you. Yes, even you, no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with, the only question is will you experience the burden of God's purpose in your life or the blessing? See, obedience leads to blessing and rebellion leads to burden. But here's a question. Are you in obedience or rebellion to God's word in your life? So for the sake of time, I'm going to go, I'm going to speed through an important part of Samson's story. And you've got to lean in because I'm going to go through Judges chapter 14, verse 10 through 20, really fast. So if you've been following along, you know that Samson has set his eye on this Philistine woman who happens to be a native of the very nation he's supposed to be rescuing his nation from. Sounds like a bad idea already, but him and his parents end up going to her home and the wedding plans and celebrations begin. Seeing as Samson is by himself outside of his parents, he's given 30 guys to become his groomsmen. I had three groomsmen. He's got 30. I think it's a bit overkill, but to each his own. So he gets real comfortable with these guys and decides to give them this riddle. He knows that they cannot figure out this riddle. There's no way until everything goes awry. These guys threaten to kill his wife if she doesn't get this riddle for them. So she goes to Samson and she probably gives him puppy dog eyes, probably promises him to have a really good night on their wedding night. So he gives in. She tells the shady groomsmen. They come back with the riddle. He owes them 30 outfits each. He calls her immature. He kills and robs 30 people, brings back the clothes, leaves the wedding and goes home pouting to his mom and his dad. All the while, Samson is gone now. But his shady best man steps in and said, hey, listen, I'm an eligible bachelor. So she ends up being given to him. The wedding happens. Samson's gone. She's married to his best man. And this is where we pick up the story. Now, let's jump into chapter 15, beginning with verse one. It says this. After some days at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went with his uh, went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not let him go in. And her father said, I really thought you utterly hated her. So I gave her to your companion. It's not her younger sister, more beautiful than she is. Please take her instead. So now days go by and it probably dawns on Samson. Wait, wait a minute. I'm married. I can go into my wife. Think about this. He's gone through the whole wedding, but he's not yet consummated the marriage. 
He left because he was so angry about the riddle that he forgot to have sex with his wife. Who does that? I know that could not have been me in Jesus name. The text tells us that he brings back a little young goat. I guess that was his version of a peace offering. I don't know how many women watching would be turned on by a gift of a young goat. Listen, if you're single and ready to mingle, type in the chats. Give me the goat. Give me the goat. And if you're a dude, say, hey, I got the goat. <laughs> OK, maybe that it's going out of hand. Like, don't say any of that. But his father in law meets him and says, dude, you cannot go in there. We thought you were gone forever. You left in such anger. You left in such a fit of rage that we thought you utterly hated her. And let me tell you, for some of us, our bad attitudes, our fits of rage, has our significant others, our family members, and sometimes even those in our circle of friends thinking, does he even love me? Does she even love us? When she gets so angry, she gets so mean. Then we come with the peace offering, a half-witted apology, an act of service, and we think that's just going to make up for the last experience we just went through. But don't we always have a good reason for it, though? You shouldn't have said that to me. Well, they came at me. I wasn't just going to sit there. Well, that's just the way I am. You just don't know the pressure that I'm on. Listen, poke the bear and get bit. Listen, discouragement is inevitable. Jesus said this, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's not if, but when. There will be many trials and sorrows. Jesus, though, is the peace giver. Jehovah Shalom is your peace. Are you leaning into Jesus or are you leaning into your trials and your sorrows? So Samson's father-in-law offers to allow him to marry his young daughter. But Samson, he's not having it. Catch this in verse six to verse three. He says this, and Samson said to them, this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stack grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. This time I shall be innocent. See, last time when he killed and robbed those 30 people, he knows that he's out of line. He knew that he was, this wasn't part of God's plan to defend and rescue his people out of Philistine rule. He was wrong. But this time, he claims he's innocent. Last time I was angry. This time, this is justified. Last time I lost. This time, I'm teaching them a lesson. This time, harm has been done to me. He's using discouragement to become an excuse for his dysfunction. And how many of us do this? Samson does not take the time to think, hmm, how, how, how did I create this? Or I really shouldn't even be here. These 
are God's enemies. These are our enemies. Their lifestyle, their culture is in direct opposition to what God purposed for humanity. Worse yet, they're oppressing God's people. I'm supposed to be an agent of rescue. Now I'm an agent of disruption. How many of us find ourselves in that boat, frustrated with our condition of life or relationships, frustrated with the current condition of our health or career, yet we want to blame everyone else for what they did or what they didn't do? Never taking responsibility for our own actions or inactions and how that created the very disruption that our, that our current reaction is perpetuating. See, anger is nothing more than compounded discouragement. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Anger is the symptom. Disappointment and discouragement is the cancer. So Samson goes on and captures 300 foxes. That's not a real number, just a number to denote that there were a lot. He ties them together with torches and lets them loose in the grain and olive fields of the Philistines. When a search is made, it's found out that Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, did this because his wife was given away. The people come and burn Samson's wife and her father at the stake for their connection to this action. Interesting, this is the same fate she was avoiding by exposing Samson's riddle. Now Samson's rage has resulted in innocent blood spilled. Can I tell you, sin is never isolated. Look at the tragic course of Samson's choices. Disobedience led to sin. Sin led to frustration. Frustrations led to anger. Anger led to death. And how many of us have killed relationships and potential careers and businesses and opportunities because how we react to discouragement? I know I've been there. How many of us are so far off of the purpose God has for our lives because of our response to what they did or what didn't work out or what stood in the way or what we did ourselves? In verse seven through eight, it goes on and tells us this. And Samson said to them, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow. And he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Edom. I will be avenged. Are you seeing a pattern here? No recognition of wrongdoing. Your wife is dead, Samson. Maybe you're glad your father-in-law is dead because he gave her away. But bro, you started all of this. He has no acceptance of responsibility. Just further falling into the pit of discouragement. He is slowly in he is so, he is solely in a reactionary state. Listen, unmitigated discouragement will make you delusional. Depression is dangerous. When you allow yourself to get to a place where you believe everyone is against you, that can create some serious dysfunction. We're seeing an extreme case. But for some of us, we've lost or are losing or on the verge of losing so much because discouragement has damaged our ability to reason. Discouragement can absolutely begin to cloud your judgment. Samson goes on yet another rampage, claiming to be justified. He says he struck them hip and thigh. The exact meaning of this has been lost in translation, but it could mean uh, he beat them severely while it's possible that he could have killed them. 
after the text says he goes and stays in the cleft of the rock of Edom, the nation's leader, the one with so much promise, the one with so much purpose, has relegated himself to living in a solitary existence in a cave. This is such a familiar trajectory for so many of us, if we're honest. Discouragement fills our soul. We react in unhinged fits of frustration, anger, and sometimes raised and isolate ourselves with thoughts of disappointment, sadness, grief, embarrassment, shame, sometimes still steaming with anger. Have you been there? I don't want to talk. I just need space. Leave me alone. I, I just want to be by myself. I just need space to cool down. See, space is needed if it's healthy. Jesus needed space. But Jesus went to a private place to pray, to recharge, to gain strength, to remain steadfast in purpose. Is your isolation a palace of pity or residence of revival? Because as believers, we're called to reset, not react. Samson did not live a life of disciplined, meaningful response. In life, discouragement and, uh, and disappointment are inevitable. How are you going to respond? How you respond is evidence of your emotional and spiritual maturity, as well as reveals what you are more committed to, a victim narrative or a purpose-driven life. We need to reset, not react, because discouragement is a detour you cannot avoid, but you can overcome it. If you want to overcome the detour of discouragement, I believe there's two questions you have to ask yourself. Number one, what am I living for? Number two, how will my response deter me or accelerate me for that purpose? See, Jesus was a man filled with discouragement after discouragement. He was forgotten in a different city as a kid. He was misjudged. He was mistreated by the religious elite. He was accused of being an alcoholic, considered a raging liberal, accused of being an enemy of the state, tried unjustly, beaten ruthlessly, condemned mercilessly, nailed to a wooden cross and left to die. But the writer of the book of Hebrews reflecting on Jesus gives us this encouragement on how to stay focused on the purpose ahead. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy, the purpose awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Today, you and I have an opportunity to reset. No matter how we've reacted in the past, no matter how much we've destroyed because of our actions or lost through disappointment, we can be of good cheer because Jesus suffered, died, and resurrected for the forgiveness of our sins and the restoration of our purpose. In Jesus, we can reset. You and I, can now live lives to the full and fulfill the purpose God created us for. Can I pray for us? God, discouragement is real. Anger is real. 
And God, we're so sorry for how often we fall for the tricks of the enemy to deter us from our purpose. God, today we're coming back and we're repenting. We're saying, God, sorry for allowing ourselves to be hoodwinked by the tools of the enemy, allowing discouragement to sit so deep in our hearts that it turns to bitterness, that it turns to anger, that it turns to rage and wrath. God, I pray that you may give us a new heart, renew a right spirit within us. So God, that we can be connected to you. Jehovah Shalom, our peace giver, give us a peace that passes all understanding. Restore all that discouragement, disappointment, and anger has caused us to lose and allow us to be filled with Holy Spirit so that we can carry out this new life that you've given us in Jesus and fulfill the purpose that you ordained over our lives before we were even born. Thank you for forgiving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, go ahead and put it in the chats or send begin to the number below. We want to help you on your journey. We want to connect you to resources that will continue to build your faith and allow you to live the life that God has created you to live and get to know the God who loves you so deeply that he would sacrifice everything to see you saved. Listen, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.